love, I love reading or watching interviews of famous people. Uh, here recently, there have been some uh, with uh, some of the award shows and things that have gone on, as well as with uh, sports and with LSU uh, playing tomorrow. By the way, thank you, Larry, for the beautiful flowers up here. Uh, and uh, he picked uh, LSU colors in there, so way to go, Larry. What <laughs> an accident. <laughs> A happy accident. Uh, but in reading some of the interviews of people who have been successful, you can learn a lot of things, especially when they are asked about how they became who they are or what led to their success. And um, there's usually some question about who inspired them and, and who their role model was. Almost always, there is at least one person, a teacher. If you don't name your teachers, by the way, when you finally make it, then you have failed, right? You've got to name your teachers. Or a parent. Or sometimes it's a coach who inspired them to become who they are. And that's why role models are important, aren't they? When we come to realize that none of us would be where we are in our lives without someone helping us get there. We don't get anywhere by ourselves. And we are those who ought to treasure our role models. We need them in our lives to show us who we can become. And sometimes when we can't see who we can become, there is that person who tells us who we can become. Uh, and that is so important in our lives. What we've heard in our text today are words about someone who can be for us a role model for becoming who God has called us to be in this world and for bringing about justice in our world. I forgot my little pointer over here. And one of the things that I, I wanted to put up here was a uh, definition of uh, justice that, that we really received from Isaiah. And uh, that justice equals things that ought to be. And that is something uh, that I'm going to say several times in my sermon this morning. And I hope that it's something that will stay with you. And I want to invite you to just say it out loud now. To say, things that ought to be. What are things that ought to be? Well, God gives us a great description of those things. And so anytime we hear that word justice, uh, that is what we ought to think about. Things that ought to be. And what a great time at the beginning of a brand new year to look at such a model of things that ought to be. As we considered last Sunday, God provided us with one in a manger. Last Sunday was Epiphany Sunday. And we talked about how the Magi, the wise men or wise people, made their way to where Jesus was. And they traveled a long distance and they did a lot of study. They did a lot of listening to what was going on around them. Uh, this would be one that was revealed to Joseph, to Mary, to the shepherds, and to the Magi. But to also us in our time. We talked about the significance of having epiphany in our own lives. Coming to understand who Jesus is. And do we ever get to the point where we fully are there? No, not in this life. <laughs> I think when we get to heaven, we get a little closer to that, don't we? I think we spend the rest of eternity in the wonder of what all of that is about. As we hear in our text this morning, one from Isaiah written long before Jesus would ever arrive, and then one from Matthew written about when Jesus was baptized, we find several characteristics that Jesus embodied and provides as a model for us today for bringing about a world that ought to be. 
And this world ought to be, as we think about in our own lives, should take place in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our cities and our nation and completely in our world. So first, Jesus was self-aware. This would be one characteristic we find in our text. And I mean self-aware in the sense that he was aware of who he was in the world. I don't think Jesus spent a lot of time scratching his head, wondering what God had called him to do. I know there were moments when he was growing up and moments when he would go out into the wilderness or maybe moments when people were coming after him that he would struggle with what God had called him to do in the world. But I think he was very aware of what he was here to do. This awareness could also be referred to as his calling. That awareness would be clarified in a very profound way as he was baptized. By the way, we jump real quickly from Jesus being in a manger to Jesus being baptized. Jesus was not baptized as an infant. He was baptized as an adult. As he would go out to where John was baptizing people, he would go out and experience, and we could spend more time. We don't have time this morning to look at that. And I think some of you all did that in Sunday school about why he was baptized. But Matthew tells us that he was as do the other Gospels, that he was baptized. And so we move immediately to that. And in the midst of that, we hear the affirmation that God gives to him as he was coming out of the water. This is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. As Stephanie Paulsell writes in her commentary on Isaiah, when Jesus rises up newly baptized, From the waters of the Jordan, he enters into a ministry saturated with the vision Isaiah bequeathed to him and to us. A vision of leadership guided by mercy and a hunger for justice. Jesus' whole life was a passionate response to God's call for this new way of living. I like that. I like how she puts that. So what are those words that he was bathed in? Hear them again. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. These are the words that we hear from Isaiah. Words that he is reporting to the people of Israel that are coming from God. Later, as we get to Jesus' first sermon, we hear even more of how aware he was of his purpose. He stirs up his hometown congregation, doesn't he? He stands up and he says, look, this is why I am here. He picks up this scroll from Isaiah and he reads from it and he says, today this has been fulfilled in your hearing. And their jaws drop and they think, isn't this the son of Joseph? Isn't this the guy that grew up here in our community? He is saying this is what he's here to fulfill Jesus completely understood that. That kind of self-awareness is what we need as well in our lives, right? Especially as we understand what God intends for us to continue doing in this world, to continue this work that Jesus did in this world. That vital work of justice, of bringing things to be that ought to be. I'm not sure how well we do with self-awareness when it comes to our calling. I've learned through the years that Christians often struggle with knowing their purpose in life. 
Perhaps even thinking that a calling is something only for clergy or maybe for missionaries. That God calls people to do particular things like go to Africa or go somewhere in particular and serve in a particular kind of way. But great epiphanies happen when they discover that God, God calls everyone to important and particular work. And that the world can be changed in powerful ways when they see why God has them at their job or their school or a place of service. When you see that wherever it is that you happen to be tomorrow or Tuesday or one day this week, that that is where God has called you to serve with your gifts, your personality, uh, the skills that God has given to you, that that is what God wants to happen. So I ask you, has that happened for you? Are you aware of who you are wherever you happen to be? Well, this leads us to a second characteristic of the model that Jesus provides for us. And it is His role as a servant. His understanding of a servant would have certainly been shaped by Isaiah 42. I have no doubt that Jesus grew up hearing this text uh, over and over again. It was one that He thought a lot about. I'm sure that it is one that, that resonated deeply with Him. And this is also, by the way, known as one of the servant songs. We have several servant songs that are in Isaiah, and this would be one of those that is most well known. Hear these words again as they describe a servant. Here is my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. And another place, it says, I have given you as a covenant to the people, a light to the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. These were things that Isaiah envisioned Israel's deliverer would be and do to lead them out of exile and back to Jerusalem. These are words that they would have heard just before they were released from Babylon to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild all that had been lost. And they were things that they were longing for. They are things that Israel would require long after they made their way back to Jerusalem. And they are the very things Jesus would be and do in His ministry. Look in the Gospels and see how He opened the eyes of the blind. Look in the Gospels and, and see how Jesus set people free from their addictions and from their demons and, and from their captivity. Look and see how Jesus fulfilled this prophecy. And these are the servant actions uh, that we are to do as well. These are the things that must be in our lives if we are ever going to bring about things that ought to be. Do you ever hear people talk about how the world ought to be? And, and we all do that, right? We talk about how things are not as they should be. And we can complain about those things. We can gripe about them all day long. But until we see that we are to be those who are called to change how things are and to bring about things that ought to be, then nothing is ever going to happen, right? We become a part of the problem. Our world is in desperate need of people who have learned to put their needs and wants aside 
in order to serve other people, especially those who are in positions of need. Just as Jesus entered our world and He emptied Himself and He took the form of a servant, so we are to do the same. That is what God has called us to do. And servanthood runs counter to our culture of selfishness and narcissism. But it is vital to bring about a new way of life in our world. As you look at your life, do you see servant characteristics? Could other people in your family or in in your place of work or in church describe you with these same characteristics? I think that's what we all want to be said of us, right? That we are servants, that we are those who look after other people. Do you find that you are more often in the posture of being served or in serving other people? It's a good question. Those are good questions for us to ask and to consider. And I think that's a good part of what we ought to do every day as we end the day in in 2020. To ask, have I been more in the posture of being served or in serving other people? Well, a third characteristic of Jesus that is embodied as a model for us is steadfastness. And I looked to that word because I think it is a word that describes what is described here in Isaiah. And as I searched for a word that captures this description, um, I found that this one really does fit best. And it means the quality of being resolutely or dutifully firm and unwavering. The suffering servant envisioned by Isaiah would be steadfast in overcoming setbacks and slow work with an absolute focus on bringing about justice for the exiled Israel. That's what he's getting at when he talks about a wick and the reeds that are not bruised. There is this patient servant who is like standing around a flame, keeping it from blowing out and keeping it going and making sure that things that God brought into the world are continuing to be protected and done. And that is the imagery that we have of this suffering servant. And Jesus would demonstrate His steadfastness in the same ways, willing to suffer and even lay down His life in pursuit of what? Of justice. To bring about things that ought to be. Steadfast is what we are to be as well if we're to continue doing God's work here on earth. Being steadfast with our work means that we recognize that it is slow at times. Have you ever gotten the sense that it's slow? The work that God gives us to do? That there are disappointments and discouragements along the way? If you've been involved at Church for the Highlands, even if it's just a little bit, you've probably experienced some of that. You would say, maybe sometimes you say it's way too fast, that those people are way too busy, they're doing way too many things around here. But maybe sometimes you also experience that it doesn't seem like we ever get anywhere. And sometimes there are major discouragements. We dealt with one this past year. As I look back at 2019, I see that about half our year was spent in survival mode, trying to figure out where we were going to meet And it had nothing to do with our finances. It had nothing to do with the work that we're doing here. It had everything to do with uh, finding out that our building uh, was no longer going to be a place for us to meet. And so we spent a lot of time with the discouragement and the setbacks that were going on with trying to figure out what what are we going to do? Where are we going to go? 
The world often seems to be so far aflung from what it ought to be that we wonder if our efforts even make a difference. Maybe it's in working with people who are really in need or people that have real challenges and we find that sometimes it's a real struggle. Yet, like the suffering servant and like Jesus, we are not to give up on the good work that we are doing. Trusting that God is bringing about a new world that God wants through us. I can't help but think about what happened this week with Robert Renner and Cordray Tolliver, as Kyle mentioned earlier. They are now enrolled as students at Wiley College. And I think I have a picture of them there. The first one is what Robert sent. Uh, and then the next day, as you heard about, you see Cordray there, uh, their roommates, uh, as they have been so much of their time. There was much celebration around here when that news broke this week, especially after considering all the work that went into, the, into their lives throughout the years to get them just to that point. I think about all the people in our church, especially Kyle Kelly, Dewana, and the Lighthouse of Volunteers of America. We all remember when Robert was about this tall up here, causing all kinds of trouble. <laughs> Cordray not so much, but, but he had his moments too. But uh, Robert and, the, and sometimes the struggles that were involved there. And the people at the Friendship House where Robert lived, or, or uh, actually lives now, uh, that's kind of his home base, even while he's away at college. Uh, but the people who worked with him there uh, and community renewal on their work of serving these kids with the love of God, of staying true in the face of many obstacles, to bringing about things that ought to be. And we see the fruit of that as these two guys go off to college. What a beautiful picture of what happens when we keep Jesus as our role model. And I'm wondering, what else will be in that picture for each of us?